Oral questions by members? Member for Skina. Speaker, Vladimir Putin and his authoritarian regime are not going away. We face a long-term energy challenge, and countries around the world are looking for a safe transitional fuel. But the bottom line is they do not want to get it from Russia. BC can be a leader in this transition by providing a secure source of clean and ethical LNG. Currently, BC has multiple projects on the books awaiting for permits. Niska LNG, wood fiber LNG, Heisla Cedar LNG, Chevron's KM LNG, Skeena LNG, Totem LNG, Port Edward LNG. You, you would think that a government, which owns the resource, by the way, would at a minimum have conducted an inventory on what additional capacity can be brought online. My question is to the Energy Minister. Which of these proponents has this minister called to make sure we do our part to end Russia's stranglehold on Europe's energy needs? Honourable Premier. Thank you, Thank you very much. And um, again, uh, another day, another question from uh, the official opposition about circumventing uh, due process, uh, uh, putting aside our climate action plans, saying to uh, investors that they should invest right now when final investment decisions have not been made. Uh, I do believe that the intent of the member is to highlight the abundance of uh, natural resources here in British Columbia. All of us are acutely aware of that. In a time of crisis internationally, certainly British Columbia wants to play a role, but we can't do that unilaterally. We have to do that in concert with investors, in concert with communities, and most importantly, abiding by the principles and rules that we have put in place over many, many generations to protect the land, to protect the people, and to protect these resources going forward. Uh, I, again, I, I understand that the member would want us to get our products to market in a week and a half, but that's not going to happen. It just isn't going to happen. I would suggest instead we could be collaborating on other ways to help those that are becoming refugees in Central Europe by working collaboratively with communities. Um, I know in my community, and indeed I'm sure everyone in this house has families who are opening their hearts and their homes to those who need help. Let's focus on that. Let's focus on something real and practical for right now. Member for Skinner Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And uh, I don't know where that answer came from. The, the, the question was, which of these proponents did the minister call? That was the question. I gave a whole list of, of, of projects on the books waiting permits. The question is, just at least one mentioned, just at least one proponent that the energy minister called. That's it. Even just one. Because LNG is a critical transition fuel that democracies around the world will have to rely on as they move towards clean power and energy independence. At a time of crisis, I'm glad the Premier mentioned that, crisis. At a time of crisis, people expect and deserve leadership. Instead, what we get from this government is excuses. And, and I quote from the Energy Minister himself, when asked about this yesterday, in terms of BC doing its part to help Europe and Germany. This is what the answers were, and I quote, it's just not feasible 
The production is already under contract. It is in the hands of investors. They would have to consult with their consortium. No one has called me. End quote. Those are the minister's words, not mine. And those answers just aren't good enough in a time of crisis. At the very least, my question, at the very least, has the minister calculated just how much more LNG capacity can be brought online, including the two additional trains at LNG Canada, and what steps is he taking today to make that happen as quickly as possible? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And the member will know that the first two trains at LNG Canada are not up and running today, and they won't be for the foreseeable future. So again, the solutions that are needed right now do not reside in the minds of the people on that side of the House, clearly. You're talking about a five or a ten-year horizon. This used to be the party, honourable members. They used to say they would not pick winners and losers in the economy. Yesterday, yesterday it was, the economy doesn't matter, markets don't matter, we've got an idea. Well, I'm, I'm grateful for the idea, but the idea has been around since the 1980s, and not one gigajoule of LNG is being exported from Canada in 2020. 22. We have a lot of work to do, and a lot of it's being done right now in Kitimat in his constituency because we closed the deal and brought $40 billion to British Columbia. Opposition House Leader. Uh, well, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. The Premier talks about uh, picking winners and losers. The, the official opposition, and I would hazard a guess the, the government, at least we would think, uh, as well as British Columbians, they, they are on the side of the Ukrainians. They're on the side of the Germans. They're on the side of the Europeans. They're on the side of wanting to ensure that democracies and freedom-loving nations in this world have the, the, the energy that they need to power their economies and that they're not dependent on a dictator and an authoritarian regime like Vladimir Putin's. Mr. Speaker, if BC doesn't show leadership, the world will be looking at more coal. More coal instead of using LNG as a cleaner, ethical, transitional fuel. Gas analysts from Wood Mackenzie say that as Russia disrupts gas supply, competition for LNG from Europe would force countries like Japan and China to burn more coal. A climate disaster. German Chancellor uh, Olaf Scholz has uh, started a seismic shift in German and European policy, and he says, and I quote, responsible, forward-looking energy policy is decisive not only for our economy and the environment, it is also decisive for our security, end quote. Germany is now building, accelerating the, the construction of two LNG uh, terminals, but without more ethical LNG, Germany may be forced to run their coal power plants well past their 2030 deadline to phase them out. Mr. Speaker, that last piece is not my words. Those are the words of the German economy minister, Robert Habeck, who also happens to be a member of the German Green Party. So the question is this. Will the Premier show some leadership and take some action today to provide the, to provide the world with our clean, ethical LNG or is he fine to sit idly by and watch democracies like Germany and others have to continue to rely on coal power? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. If the members on the other side want to help the Ukrainian people, they should open their wallets to make a contribution to the Red Cross. 
If they want to help, if they want to help the people of Ukraine, they should make a contribution to the UN uh, Commission on, on uh, Refugees. If they want to help people today, they should be taking action that can help today, not some mythical dream down in the future. I know that the members on the other side, Honourable Speaker, understand how gas is extracted from the ground. It then has to be moved, it then has to be liquefied, put on a vessel and taken somewhere, and that doesn't happen in a weekend and a half. That happens over a long period of time. And I would think they would know that because they spent 10 years talking about it and didn't deliver one LNG plan. Leader of Official Opposition, Supplemental. Well, again, Mr. Speaker, the Premier just, just always, always has a knack for boiling this down into the most simplistic terms possible. Winners, winners and losers. Or, it, you know, he, he makes it sound like it's an either-or that you can't, on the one hand, uh, uh, be fully supportive, uh, be fully supportive of, uh, of, of providing funds to the Red Cross to support refugees and, and others in need. That you can't, on, on, on this, at the same time, uh, stand up strong and, and, and say that you're not going to you're not going to support anything that does does any uh, that's, that that serves to to um, uh, to accelerate the the, the invasion in, in Russia or, or by Russia in in, uh, in Ukraine. Members, and at the same token, to not the be question, focused please. on the future. We have, Members, we, have, we have European nations, allies of ours, that, that don't want to be dependent on, on, on Germany anymore. They don't want to be dependent on Germany today. They don't want to be on Russia. They don't want to be dependent on Russia in three to five years from now. So, so let's, let's, let's see who's, let's see who, who is stepping up. Let's see who is stepping up to the plate, Mr. Speaker. The Australian Minister of Trade said, and I quote, Australian LNG exporters are ideally placed to meet any demand that may arise globally as Australia stands ready to support our friends and allies, end quote. Liz, Liz, Liz Truss, the Secretary of the United Kingdom, says, and I quote, we're also pushing for alternatives in energy supply so that nations are less reliant on Russia for their gas. What happens in Eastern Europe matters for the entire world, end quote. But we haven't heard any solidarity like that from this Premier or this government. So the question again to the Premier is why won't the Premier show some leadership and ensure that BC's clean, ethical LNG can serve as the transitional fuel that democracies of the world can rely upon? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And again, um, I'm amazed that I have to give these lessons after all these years. And a member of the former Executive Council would, I'm assuming, know this. Australia can make those statements because they are now, at this moment, today, exporting LNG into the international marketplace. British Columbia is not, because for, te for 16 years, you, you on the other side talked about it, but didn't deliver any of it. We've had five years, and there's a plant underway in that guy's riding to deliver $40 billion to the private sector coming into British Columbia, creating jobs, creating wealth, and we want to continue to do that, Arma Speaker. But let's get real. Members. Let's get real. The challenges in Europe are today, right now, not five years from now, not ten years from now. Does British Columbia stand ready to assist any citizens of the world who have democracies in place, who want to make sure we're focusing on the, the real issues of the day? Here in British Columbia, which is climate action, making sure that our permitting processes are robust, protecting people for this generation and generation.
generations to come. That used to be something those people on that side of the House stood for. I'm surprised the party of Gordon Campbell, the creator of the carbon tax, have just completely jettisoned any interest in climate action to get a headline on something they know cannot happen today. Support refugees, support an anti-war movement by standing up with us, holding hands together with the Green Party and making a statement about freedom and democracy. That would be a useful contribution. Member for Saanich North End Islands. I, I couldn't hear the last part, but it was pointed down this way. So anyway, I, I, thought, I thought what was happening yesterday was going to stay in yesterday, but apparently it's kind of crept on into today. Uh, on Monday, uh, the Premier called on the BC Investment Corporation to divest uh, from Russian investments. He said, uh, quote, um, the events unfolding in Europe right now are unprecedented, uh, unprecedented in our lifetimes and need to be stopped. A message, a clear, united message from all Canadians to go forward. The whole point of sanctions is to make with one voice a call to the international community to stand up to a brutal dictator." End quote. It was encouraging to see the parties united in support for the democracy in Ukraine. Through you, Honourable Speaker, uh, to the Premier. Aside from encouraging the BC Investment Corporation to divest, what specific actions have we taken to divest from Russia in support of Ukraine? Premier. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. I'm not aware of any investments the British province of British Columbia has uh, uh, in uh, Central Europe or Asia. Uh, I think we were all speaking with one voice, including the Green Party. Uh, or encouraging the trustees responsible for pension funds and the billions of dollars to make the right choice. And it appears not only are they making the right choice, but they have been doing so over a period of weeks, and that's good news for everybody. Uh, but uh, if the member's got a, a secondary question that can lay out what monies or what investments he's talking about, I'll be in a better position to answer the question. Member for Sandwich Northern Ireland, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Today, in, in question period, the Premier said uh, that we should be focusing on actions that can happen. Uh, today. Specifically, uh, the Premier said, let's focus on something real and practical uh, right now in response, to, uh, in response to the previous questions. The solutions we are using as a global community right now are sanctions and divestments of Russian assets, uh, Putin's assets, and uh, the assets of Russian oligarchs. Uh, since the beginning of the week, members of this assembly have been uh, positioning oil and gas development in British Columbia as ethical alternates to uh, Russian sources. Uh, BC's supposedly ethical oil and gas isn't so ethical, though, Mr. Speaker. Not only is it associated with human rights abuses against Indigenous people in our own country, it is still a profit machine for those Russian oligarchs that globally uh, the world is divesting from. Evraz PLC is a company supplying steel for both the Coastal GasLink LNG project that the members here have been talking about and the Trans Mountain Pipeline project. The owner, chairman, and former CEO of Evraz are all Russian oligarchs who the world is divesting from. In 2018, the United States placed on a Putin list of Russians who had benefited from their close relationships with Putin. These, uh, these owners. Yes, four years ago, the Americans identified these individuals as dangerous. Uh, through you, Honourable Speaker, to the Premier, will we do our part to relieve ourselves from Russia's stranglehold, as the member said earlier, and immediately order Coastal GasLink to divest themselves of their relationship with Evraz PLC? Premier. 
thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, if I understood the member's first question, it was what investments does the government of British Columbia have uh, in Russian assets or Russian uh, resources, and I'm confident the answer is none. What private sector companies operating in British Columbia are doing is not known to me. I'll take the, I'll take the member's research as given, and we'll take a look at that. But uh, these are not BC's investments. These are private sector investments that would, were not known to, certainly not known to me until the member stood in his place. So I'll, I'll take that under advisement and I'll get back to him. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, as the cost of everything seems to be skyrocketing these days under this NDP government and this Premier's watch, drivers are now faced with uh, close to $2 a litre in gas. Not for premium gasoline, Mr. Speaker, but for regular. British Columbians have been paying the highest prices in Canada for weeks, and that's due to the fact that we have the highest gas taxes in North America to go with those prices. When asked about it on Friday, the Premier's response was a very flippant, take a bus if it costs that much. Well, newsflash to the Premier, great many people in British Columbia, that doesn't work for them. But I guess it's pretty easy to say that when you just gave yourself a $40,000 raise in the budget. British Columbians are desperate for help as everyday costs keep to rise and the Premier is simply not delivering. Will the Premier take steps today to help British Columbians deal with the high price of gas? Minister of Energy and Mining. Mr. Thank, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, there's, there's, no, there's no doubt that uh, Russia's attack on Ukraine has completely uh, upset and uh, changed the global energy markets, absolutely. And it's had an impact here. Uh, and as economies continue to reopen, uh, demand for gas supply is increasing across North America as well. So we've, there are record high prices, I acknowledge that, uh, as, the, uh, as the critic has said. But unlike the opposition, unlike the, the opposition, the Liberal opposition, we believe that gas companies should be publicly accountable for unexplained markups and cost increases. That's why we brought in the Fuel Price Transparency Act to force companies We look forward to the BC Utilities Commission, the Energy Watchdog, reporting on expanded republic reporting on the, the causes of higher gas prices. And in addition, uh, let's not forget, Mr. Speaker, that we have reduced the cost of operating a passenger vehicle here in British Columbia, saving drivers $500 a year on their car insurance through lower ICBC rates. And in addition, this is particularly for the member for Abbotsford West, whose constituents drive across the Portman Bridge. They're saving $1,500 a year because we took the road off. Member for Kamloops, Tom North Thompson, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, a couple quick things. We've had record gas prices before the conflict in Ukraine, and we continue to have the record and the highest gas prices in North America, despite the conflict. And the BCUC report, that report, they were forbidden from looking at any government taxation or regulations as part of the cross pressures of gas prices. Well, that's Just 
another way for this Premier to pass the buck on to someone else. So let's look at another gem of a quote from the Premier. And I quote, we are monitoring gas prices and we will take steps if necessary. We have talked about a range of options and we will look at them should the prices remain high over the next number of weeks. Well, Mr. Speaker, that was March 21st, 2018. It's now been 206 weeks and all we have to show for it is a website. That's it. That's what the Premier's action is over 206 weeks. Today, today on the backdrop of the Premier giving himself his $40,000 raise, Members, please continue. under that backdrop of that $40,000 raise, regular people going out to fill their minivan are paying $50 more to fill that minivan up under this Premier's watch. A pickup truck that most people use to get to and from work, that's $75 more to fill under this Premier's watch. These are families simply trying to get by, trying to move their kids around to events and trying to get to work. And the Premier is completely dismissive of them. 57% of British Columbians report they can't keep up with the cost of living under this NDP government. One of the reasons, they seem to have instantly decided to make uh, the carbon tax no longer revenue neutral. That was one of their first acts when they came into government. As a result, there's a billion dollars that could be going to transfer back into people's pockets, but instead, this Premier wants to just rake it back into general revenues. Again, instead of the glib talk, will the Premier actually deliver on his words 206 weeks later and actually show us what his action he was going to do to lower the price of the pumps? Minister of Energy and Mines. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The, the planned increase in the carbon tax April 1st, a cent a litre, uh, doesn't explain the increases that British Columbians are seeing at the pump. I know the, the member for Kamloops uh, South Thompson wants to attribute the cost increases to that tax increase. It, 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 it's not the explanation. And it's really it's disappointing, and I think a major policy reversal to see the member try to argue against a measure that has proven to reduce low, uh, produce lo lower emissions and funds that continue investment in low-carbon innovation. But let's uh, let's uh, the the uh, the member quoted members uh, will come uh, back to order. A few years ago, uh, the premier. Let me quote the minister of transportation, uh, Kevin Falcon, back further back. He himself has said there's no easy solution to address rising fuel prices. Let me, let me quote him. I don't want to pretend there's any magic solution to the fact that fuel prices have doubled in the past 12 months. Member for Surrey South. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And the minister can go off on bizarre tangents, but let's, uh, let's remind the minister yeah, no. Wait for it. Wait for it, folks. Members, let's listen to the question, please. Member for Surrey South. We're talking about the fact that the Premier's making comments, telling people to just take the bus. It shows exactly how out of touch the Premier is with how people are feeling about the cost of living under the NDP government. In Surrey today, gas costs $1.86. It's predicted to be $1.94 tomorrow. In other parts of the province, we're facing similar hikes. The Premier doesn't care. Here's Jess from Victoria. Her quote, some people, like those living with disabilities or immune compromised, can't handle being on a bus or the walk to and from the stop. 
or the long waits at the stops, or the buses that don't come at all. Premier, you are awfully entitled if you think it's a solution to rising gas prices." End quote. What will the Premier do, besides talking, to actually help drivers? Minister. Thanks very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Um, it's interesting to, uh, to reflect upon the comments of, of the members of the opposition uh, uh, and the suggestions that they've offered. Uh, clearly, uh, as uh, Werner Antweiler, the professor of business at the Sauter School, has said, uh, focusing on, uh, on tax increases, uh, if those were taken away, it would simply uh, boost the profits of the oil companies and it would do absolutely nothing for consumers. Absolutely nothing. That seems to be the, uh, the solution that's offered, but I, I commend uh, the, the member from South Syria referred to it as a bizarre tension. I, I commend her the words of, uh, of her leader. Um, the, 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 I don't pretend there's any magic solution to the fact that fuel prices have doubled in the past 12 months. Member for Surrey South Supplemental. Well, Mr. Speaker, when asked about high gas prices last Friday, the Premier said, quote, everything's on the table, and I'm certainly prepared to look at any opportunity that we have, end quote. That should sound familiar to people, though, Mr. Speaker, because the Premier promised that same thing in 2018 and 2019, and here we are, years later, nothing but a website to show for it. In fact, many of my constituents under the NDP have it a lot worse. Instead of it taking 45 minutes and $240 a month in gas to drive to work at YVR, it now takes twice as long and costs $400 a month. That's almost $2,000 a year more because of NDP gridlock and the highest gas prices and taxes in North America. So, instead of posturing, and ducking and weaving, can the Premier tell us specifically what he meant when he said, everything is on the table? What exactly is it, Mr. Speaker, that the Premier is prepared to do? Minister. Mr. Speaker, the, the opposition has opposed the efforts of the government to bring transparency and defended the interests of the big oil companies to hide this information. We had a debate about the Members. Fuel Price Transparency Act. Uh, and they opposed that. They were concerned about corporate interests rather than the interests of working families here in British Columbia. For years, they turned a blind eye to the industry, the gouging of, of, of using gas prices in secret, and refused to take action. We took action. We introduced the Fuel Price Transparency Act. The BCUC, the Energy Watchdog, is working on Members, that. Members, let's hear the and answer, please. We will please. have solutions coming forward very soon, Mr. Speaker. Member for Caribou Chilcotin. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Premier, fresh off a $40,000 raise, has a solution for British Columbians with dealing with the high cost of gas. His solution is to take the bus. Kim from Duncan seems a little skeptical, Mr. Speaker, and I quote Kim, sure, 
I'll pile all four kids on the bus and somehow get them all off to the respective schools on time. I'll carry 10 bags of groceries too." End quote. A user on Reddit said, and I quote, "'Sorry, Premier, but I have to drive to different sites throughout the week for work, and I'm pretty sure my employer will not understand a week's work taking a month if I have to take the transit. Not everyone works at a desk all day long or is given a company car or a gas card." End quote. Mr. Speaker, the Premier keeps promising to all British Columbians to use all the tools, but so far, nothing. Can the Premier tell Kim and British Columbians just like her what real actions he is taking? Premier. Speaker. Clearly, uh, the official opposition doesn't like the real action of legislation that ensures that companies can't gouge British Columbians. They had 16 years to do that, and they did not a darn thing. When they had the opportunity, when they had the opportunity to vote in favour of it, they voted against it. Instead of protecting consumers, they wanted to protect the interest of oil companies. The member for Surrey South asked, "What are we doing about affordability? What are we doing about affordability?" One of the first things we did, Honourable Speaker, was reduce ferry fares. One of the first things we did was he eliminated the tolls that Kevin Falcon and his government put in place in the first place. We, also we eliminated medical services premiums, which went from just being a small part of family budget to a big part, annualizing increases year over year. Who did that? Kevin Falcon did that. We reduced, the, we reduced the baked in increase in rents that the Liberals put in place by only keeping it to the cost of inflation. We reduced ICBC costs. We gave Members. two rebates to ICBC, and they don't want to hear about it, Honourable Speaker, because their record. They don't want to hear about it, Honourable Speaker. Members. Hear BC Liberals stand up and talk about affordability. They can't get out of their head. They can't get out of their head. MSP, tolls. Uh, we eliminated the fees for adult basic education and English language. Well, they were, well, they were acting, well, they were acting like loan sharks when it came to students, Honourable Speaker. Putting the cost of the student loan plus interest plus two percent. We eliminated that interest. So. We have the party, the party of tolls, the party of premiums, and the party of, of loan sharking to students telling us about affordability. Really hard to take, Honourable Speaker. That's why there's so few of them on that side of the House and so many of us on this side. The balance question period.